So you're coming down this weekend, right? I'm coming down the 23rd, like really late. Mm-hmm. And then leaving Tuesday. You know what that means. MGM on Monday. Actually, MGM would be a shit show on Monday. Howdy, everyone. This is Sunday, December 18th, 2016, and this is episode 31 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, and joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's going on, Craig? I'm ready to talk about a trip report um, yeah. without you, which is rare. It's not that rare. Yeah, I guess it's not that. Probably once you, a year I go on it. Yeah, you and Andrea go like once a year, probably. Yeah. Megan so, and I also used to go once or twice a year, but then we had a kid, so... Makes we it, haven't in a couple of years. Makes it tough. Actually, that's not true. We did go last year right before our son was born. When Megan was nine months pregnant, you took her to the casinos. Yeah, she was actually like eight and a half months pregnant when we went to Borgata. And she got a uh, massage, a prenatal massage. And they're that... like, the pregnant women usually aren't quite this pregnant <laughs> during this. but Awesome. They did it anyway. Sounds good. It was good. Something to keep in mind for all the pregnant ladies out there. They will accept people up to the point of bursting. Interesting. That's probably not <laughs> not the main topic of this episode of the podcast it, that we're going to go could, It could be. It could be. All right. Anyway, let's blow through all this news and we'll get to your, your trip report, which I think will be the, the brunt of this episode. So do you want to talk about uh, the state of New Jersey and the CRDA? Yeah, so... The latest news that came out today in a Nicholas Huba article in the Press of Atlantic City is that the state of New Jersey essentially seems to be defunding the CRT, the CRDA, which is the Casino Reinvestment Development Authority. Uh, also, which now we've known about this for a couple of days, but Director John Palmieri is stepping down. Um, apparently, it's a, a mutual decision. The funny thing is AC Primetime tweeted this a couple weeks ago just like shake up at crda question <laughs> mark and the crda twitter account kind of played dumb and was like what do you mean and then two days later the uh director stepped down and now we've got this this funding issue so i guess give ac prime time some credit for that scoop so the crda was getting 1.25% uh, tax on gross gaming revenue and 2.5% on internet gaming. And apparently the state has decided that that money is now all going to go to pay off the city's $500 million debt. Uh, the CRDA will also now have a new executive director. Chris Howard, who was the deputy director, is going to uh, step in at the start of 2017. And... The, the sort of crux of this appears to be that Governor Chris Christie sees a a new mission for the CRDA and sees a chance to get a bunch of money into the city, which I'm sure Mayor Gar Don Guardian would have loved to have, you know, when he was still running things and the state was not running the show. Uh, but we don't really know sort of what the mission for the CRDA is going to be going forward. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any sort of hopes for what you would like the CRDA to do? even though they have no money? Like, what could they even do? Um, 
I think that some of this news is pretty interesting. And as you said, this just came out today, so there hasn't been a whole lot written on it. I haven't seen too much about it other than in the press of Atlantic City at this point. I assume that tomorrow uh, there's going to be a lot more stories on this coming out. Uh, but basically what's happened from from what I can understand from the story is that the, the old director has stepped down and the old director, it seems, had reasonably bona fide development chops and credentials and was pretty well respected in terms of real estate development. And the new guy that's coming in is uh, someone who at least the South New Jersey sort of people who are more on the side of Atlantic city than on the side of Chris Christie seem to think is just a, a Christie hack who is not qualified to run the CRDA or at least in its current form. But I'm not really sure what the CRDA is going to become. I, I think that it's probably a good idea right now to take the money that is going to the CRDA and try to pay off some of the city's debt. I think that's totally reasonable. But, you know, their old purpose of just making Atlantic City like a, a better place to be and doing things like, like marketing and development was fine. I mean, I think the problem was that at least in, in my eyes or in probably a lot of people's eyes, it's, it's totally failed at it for, for at least the last 10 years when I've been going there. So I, I think the idea, like you said, was good and, that, but they've been under a lot of scrutiny for some of the things that they've either done or haven't done. You know, they've bought a bunch of land and haven't paid taxes on that land in Atlantic city or developed anything on it. They've used some money for things in Camden and elsewhere in the state, whereas I'm sure the city itself says, like, hey, this money was supposed to go to us. So there is some some issues there. Obviously, we talked just last episode about sort of um, failing to get the New Year's Rockin' Eve uh, concert set up and, and going through. There have been some other issues with the concert agreement, although they have done a lot of concerts. So that I think most people would probably say that's been mostly successful, the their deal with Live Nation. But... Yeah, I mean, I think defunding seems extreme, although we're certainly in extreme times, so I can't really fault them for for making that decision. Uh, But I'm interested to see, you know, is somebody going to pick up the ball on things like beach concerts and other things? You know, it's not like they never did anything that brought people to Atlantic City. There are just certainly things that they did that you could scrutinize and say, like, well, that wasn't the best use of money. Yeah. so I don't I'm really know. You, I don't just, know. Just to cut in, I'm with you 100% that it is, like, no matter how bad times get, I think spending some money on things like marketing, whether it be something like a marketing campaign, which is what AC was, or on holding beach concerts, or trying to put together New Year's Eve shows, or whatever, like, it is a good thing, and it is something that the city or state probably should be spending some money on, in my opinion, but like I said before, the problem is that I don't really have a whole lot of faith that most of the stuff CRDA was doing really has ever worked out. So I don't know. If it's something that was done well in the past, I'd say this is a bummer that it's getting defunded. But the fact that, you know, they've just spent a bunch of money, bought a bunch of real estate, done nothing with it, even said while they were trying to eminent domain all this stuff, they actually have no plans for it going forward. They don't know what they're going to use it for other than generic development in the future. I don't know. They, did, they didn't inspire a lot of confidence. You know, do AC was a complete bust. That's a CRDA thing. I'm not yeah. sure. 
Yeah, and that's and I, that's that was the point that I was going to make is, you know, the marketing as a concept is a great idea. Like they should be marketing the city. It's just that they didn't do it particularly well. Uh, so th- so that's kind of the problem. And I don't know where it goes from here. I think it's hard to guess, right? Because without money, who knows what their sort of plan is going to be? Are they going to just be sort of a, you know, review board or something where they're still doing the sort of admin crap that Glenn Straub complained so much about? I mean, I I would guess that's probably mostly what they're limited to at this point, but uh, I guess we'll find out as, as time goes on. Yep. Uh, So speaking of state money getting, getting spent here in uh, in Atlantic City. Uh, the guy heading up the state takeover is uh, Jeff Chiesa. I did look up how to pronounce it. Um, he is apparently getting $400 per hour, which has spawned or sparked a lot of outrage. Uh, what do you think about 400 bucks an hour for this guy who's taking over Atlantic City on behalf of the state? I mean, I don't have really that many strong feelings about it either way i mean it is a large sum of money no doubt about it but you know this guy is what he's a lawyer and a partner at a a law firm right and i mean i think in general that kind of these kind of services aren't something that's cheap so i mean do i wish they could hire someone for cheaper to do this like yeah i do but uh, i don't know i'm not especially outraged about it yeah, I don't really know what people sort of in this position make, partners at law firms or whatever. Uh, obviously, this is a pretty unique position for anyone to be in as sort of a government employee. But uh, $400 does sound really high. Um, I, if it was 250 I probably wouldn't have even batted an eye. So I don't know if that's like, <laughs> you know, sort of the – I don't know why I sort of set that number. Um, but – one of the interesting things I saw was a an article actually from New Jersey 101.5, a radio station. Uh, Dan Alexander wrote saying that he's earning eight times what Mayor Don Guardian earns. Um, so it extrapolated this out over a year salary, what $400 an hour would be over a year salary, saying, you know, the mayor makes something, I think, like $103,000 and this, this uh, Jeff Chiesa is going to make $800 something thousand uh, dollars a a year did i just say an hour for the mayor a year um but it's uh i don't, I don't think that math really works right because they're getting paid on i mean if it's if it's lawyer style they're getting paid on sort of billable hours it's just, it, it, yeah i mean i think does the math work if you're assuming he's working four hour weeks like yeah for it's gonna be eight hundred thousand dollars a year right because if you just do kind of back the envelope you assume that the work here is five thousand hours times 400 it's 800 k but uh yeah 2000, I'm, I'm 2000 sure hours. <laughs> uh oh yes i'm sorry 2000 hours times yes 100 100 hour work weeks yes yeah for 50 weeks that's what we did um uh but yeah i'm not sure if he will be working 40 hour weeks cuz as you said it's probably going to be billable hours you might have other stuff going on but uh, just to say something in general i mean i think that one of the reasons or or something that traditionally happens if you do have a government job and if you kind of look and see what the government's hiring for, for many positions kind of like this, like high-level executive positions in the government, they tend to be filled by people who, like, really want to do that. 
And as a trade-off for doing this, like you tend to get paid a lot less than you could in private enterprise if you are doing it. So like I said before, do I wish they could find someone who, who could do this and who is equally qualified to do this for less money? Like I, I do. And, and I think a lot of the outrage is that this is another Chris Christie ally, uh, you know, George Norcross ally, whatever. So, you know, I think that's why a lot of the outrage is there. But, you know, given the circumstances, I understand that's that's might be a hard thing to do. Yeah. I, and and I think that's where a lot of the outrage comes from is he's been sort of the default Chris Christie appointee, almost, it seems like. I mean, he was attorney general, then he got appointed as a senator, um, and now he's getting appointed to, to run Atlantic City. But the math, I mean, I think we had a similar stance on Kevin Lavin, who was the emergency manager uh, who produced a whole report that I don't think anything actually came of, although I guess they're saying now that they're using that as, as a framework or as a, as a guide. Uh, he was getting paid some similarly high sum, and there was a lot of outrage, and it's just kind of like, you know, contractors in these situations get paid a lot. Like, that's just kind of the way it goes. So not too much outrage on our side. I'm sorry we couldn't dial up the, the meter for you all a little bit, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, for us as tourists, this doesn't really affect us a lot. And I, I feel like we say that about a lot of the state news. But even for, I think, people in the city, yes, you can say, oh, you could shave 200 bucks an hour off of that and all that money could go toward the debt or whatever. But uh, it tends to not be how these things work. Yeah, I agree. So you want to move on to casino talk? We sure. Have, we have one sort of news item about right. casinos. What one news item that we had a discussion before the show? Have we talked about this or not? I think we have, but we could talk about it again really briefly. And if we haven't, it'll be news to all of you. So uh, Fortaletto is closing at Borgata, and it sounds like they have announced a date. Uh, and it sounds like it's going to be closing on April 1st. And this is basically because there's a new Michael Simon, uh, kind of a famous Food Network personality. Uh, there's going to be a new Michael Simon restaurant opening up in the spring of 2017. So it's going to be opening in the spot where Fornaletto is. So it's, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because uh, you really like Fornaletto, right? Yeah, I, I went once. Um, so I don't think it's actually in the spot where Fornaletto is. It's oh. it's over by the High Limit Room, I think think we talked about this in episode six if you want to go way way back and listen um to almost a year old episodes at this point but uh the michael simon place is called angeline i don't i haven't seen a set date i know spring 17 um i'll link to an article that's about a year old from uh, nj.com saying that how this is this is spelling doom for for Naleto. uh but and i think we did speculate in the episode that we talked about um, in episode six, kind of saying like, uh, Fornaletto, this is probably not good for them to have another Italian place. But now it seems like that's definitely done. Um, someone on TripAdvisor said that they were eating there and I'm guessing an employee of some sort told them that the closing date is April 1st. Uh, I think Mike mentioned it in our Facebook group as well that Fornaletto is closing. So, uh, they haven't, you know, made any big announcements about it. I'm assuming they will not make any big <laughs> deal that I'm sure all the focus from Borgata side will be about the new Michael Simon restaurant. But if you liked Fornaletto, it was a, uh, it was a cool space. It was the one that was sort of down in the basement where it was set up to look very much like a wine cellar. Um, so that will probably be gone on April 1st. So you've got maybe three months left to 
get in one last trip to Fornaletto if you liked it. Cool. And you never this went. episode, the, uh, the theme of this episode is just you correcting me about everything I say. But that's fine. We both can't be right all the time, so. As long as we're not both wrong all the time. Yeah, as long as someone knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so I actually went to Fornaletto just last weekend, um, very briefly, just to get a cocktail. Um, so I don't know if that's a good segue into my trip report, but should I just dive right in? Yeah, go for it, man. So we went uh, last weekend for just a one-night trip. Uh, I talked a little bit about sort of the why and how last episode, but basically we typically try to go for our anniversary. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that last year that uh, got canceled because my dog got sick and we ended up going in July, which our anniversary is in January, so that's quite a delay. This year we couldn't go because... My wife had a family obligation that weekend, and so we ended up sort of pushing it forward this time instead of back, and the reason for that was that I got a My Vegas reward for free tickets to the Human Nature uh, Christmas or Holiday Motown show at the Borgata. Uh, it was like 35,000 loyalty points, which is ridiculously cheap. If you're a My Vegas player, I mean, you can earn that many loyalty points in just a few weeks if you've never played the game before. Um, so we were able to secure babysitting and we headed down. Uh, I think last episode I said that we had reservations at Harrah's. I actually ended up canceling those reservations and booking at Bally's just because it was something like $65 cheaper. And I figured that was worth it. Um, so we went to Bally's just a quick rundown of the room. I went, uh, tried the $20 sandwich because Kyle had some success at resorts and I figured I'd give it a shot. We were booked in a Dennis tower luxury King room. Um, and so I got out the, the $20 bill, put it between my credit card and my ID and asked if they had any Jubilee rooms available, which is the, uh, very upgraded, very recently updated rooms in the Bally's tower. So, she took my $20 and looked in the computer for a little bit and thought she had found something and then said, oh, no, I think that this is actually reserved for someone else. <laughs> Let me check. And, like, brought someone over to confirm. And the person was like, yeah, it's saying it's it's on hold for this other person uh, who's not here yet. And so then she, like, went into a back room and was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to call and see if this person's actually coming. And at this point, I'm thinking, like, she should have just given the 20 bucks back and said, like, nah, man, sorry. You get the she, room that you she get. She wanted that 20 bucks, man. She wanted that 20 bucks. So, and got, like, other people involved. And nobody at any point was like, why does this why dude? Why are you doing this? Yeah, like, why does this dude get a room? So I think. <laughs> they know. Yeah, they know what the deal is. So I think the $20 sandwich in, uh, in Atlantic City is definitely a value. You don't need to be quite trip. subtle enough that you don't need to make it the sandwich. Probably not. You probably you just, just hand it over the counter. <laughs> just slap it on the table and be like, I yeah. got you this. Uh, what do you got for me? So they ended up not being able to get that room, but get able to get a two double beds room, which my wife and I sort of deliberated for a couple of minutes about whether that was okay or if we wanted the king. And we figured, eh, one night, let's see the nice newly updated room. Um, so I'm, sweet. You got it? Yeah. I'm not sure if I... Uh, pressured my wife into getting. I mean, that's a double, pretty big get beds. because even in like the winter, like I don't get 
Jubilee Rooms comp, at least not on the website. Oh, no. I never get Jubilee Rooms comp, so I was surprised that we got it. Uh, so that was cool. One night stay. Definitely the first thing she asked was, like, it's just the one night stay. And I was like, yeah. And then she really sort of went out her way. And we checked in late, which helped, I think, because we didn't get there, you know, mm-hmm. noon and, and try to check in and get a room. We checked in at, like, 5. So uh, went up to the room. It was very, very nice. It's not a huge room, but the, the update they did is really good. Um, you know, the hallways are totally redone. The room looks very nice. It's very, like, white and red. If you've seen the pictures on, on the Total Rewards site when you go to book a room, uh, it looks pretty much like that. The view uh, out of the room was fantastic, unlike the the Tropicana Havana Tower room that we were in where the window was five feet off the ground <laughs> uh, oh right your wife couldn't see out of it yeah so this was floor to ceiling amazing view uh, so it was really nice the bathroom i don't think had really been updated much i mean maybe they had done a little bit of tile stuff uh but uh not not super nice certainly um the little toilet room and the toilet seemed kind of old uh but you know, it's a nice room. My one complaint, uh, as I have about every hotel room, it seems, was the shower. And it was – so I, I think I said the Havana Tower shower pressure was pretty weak. This was absurdly weak. Like I think <laughs> it felt like it was barely even getting to the bottom of the shower. Like it might just evaporate before it even hit the drain. <laughs> um, and you could – stand like the back of the tub wouldn't even get wet because the shower was just like this drip practically and i tried everything and nothing really worked and it was like it was pretty late by the time we we got into the room like my wife wanted to shower and get ready and we had the show tickets so we didn't call down and complain they probably would have i don't know switched us to a different room switched us to the dentist tower room that we should have gotten to begin with uh but we figured for one night it wasn't really worth it i did shower in the morning it was a little bit of a pain, but not like a deal breaker. I wouldn't hold the say like, Oh, I'll never say there again. Like it was totally not a deal breaker, but, uh, so, so I, I do have a question for you. Sure. So with the white and the red, did it remind you of the flamingo of the go rooms? Yes. There was a little bit of that feel. I think because when I see white. those pictures, that is what it reminds me of. And it kind of gives me a little bit of PTSD because it's the Flamingo. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely nicer than those rooms, though, in the Flamingo. Like, the, the little details are nicer. It's not as worn, which is part of it. It's very new, oh, newly done. But yeah, the, like, the floors and the furniture, they are awful in Flamingo. Yeah, it's definitely better than that. And the, and the furniture was nice. Like, the all the little updates as far as, like, the new entertainment center and everything looked good. Uh, so definitely nicer than the that Go Go mini suite or whatever that we were in <laughs> in Vegas a few years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the color palette did remind me a little of it, but not too much. Uh, I did go down to the casino floor at one point, and the elevator made a very hard stop about three floors below where I got on. And didn't actually stop at the floor. It was just like, just kidding. Now we're actually going. So I did think for a split second that I might <laughs> die. Uh Fortunately, I'm here, and, and I did not die in the Bally's elevator. Uh, so just general thoughts on Bally's. I thought Bally's Tower, um, you know, the, the Jubilee, I guess the whole floor is probably Jubilee rooms. The ceilings are a little low in the hall, which feels kind of weird, like it feels old. Uh, but, you know, again, I really liked the renovation. I don't love the location of the tower, even though it's right off the casino floor. There's something about 
sort of that walk to the tower that feels not particularly nice. I mean, it's not as bad as the old walk to the Claridge, but uh, I probably would have preferred location-wise the Dennis Tower, not only because... Just walk walk in off of the uh, like the hallway between valleys and Wild World West. Right. So that's a so it, it this is is deep deep into valleys. Right. It's it's right mm-hmm. off the lobby and the casino floor where um, some of the video poker machines and like the casino cage yep. are in that corner. Yep, yep, yep. Whereas the Dennis Tower, you know, you're sort of right in the walkway where for me, like I would prefer to play at Caesars. So <laughs> or even Wild Wild West, I, I like although. We didn't spend much time at Wild Wild West. You could just go straight down to the basement for your room and get get a Harry's in the Dennis Tower. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then hop over to Wild Wild West and play some Danger Arena. Yes. Uh, Did not play Danger Arena on this trip. So if if anybody's wondering if I went back to uh, my nemesis, Danger Arena, I did not. Uh, So any questions about Bally's? I kind of – I don't love the vibe of the casino floor there. Yeah. or the look sort of I don't know there's something about like the location of the tower and like where you come off of the casino floor that makes me not love it but uh that's kind of a weird thing to base a judgment on though right I mean it's convenient right it, like, it's it, right off the casino floor I think if they did the elevator entrance better it would be better, but it says, like, Bally's Tower and, like, some cheap light-up sign, and there's a security guard there, and he's just standing there, like, right off the casino floor, and it feels weird. Um, it yeah. is convenient. It's it's not convenient if you want to go to places other than Bally's, but uh, it was fine. I shouldn't – that's that's my own sort of weird, like, internal whatever. Like that's, your, a, that's a personal problem. Your personal feng shui was upset by the entrance to the elevator. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, it just it makes you feel like you're not going into a nice room, but you're in Bally's, so I don't know why you'd expect that in the first place. So, so yeah, what, what does this mean? This is the you know ostensibly the nicest room in Bally's, or at least the nicest room that the likes of me and you can get in Bally's. And it sounds like you certainly weren't blown away by it. So, does this just mean that if you can help it, you should stay in Harrods or Caesars? Oh yeah, I mean, I would much much rather stay in Centurion Tower than than the Jubilee rooms, um, which is funny because it's much easier for me to get the Centurion Tower mm-hmm. than Jubilee rooms. Um, I expect if they do upgrade more rooms to Jubilee, I think the Jubilee rooms are going to become more readily available. Uh, I think right now there just aren't a ton of them, so that's probably a big part of it. I thought about just asking for Ocean View, and then I was like, I'm going to get stuck in a shitty, like, Bally's, like, whatever they call it, deluxe Bally's <laughs> Tower room that's... Like hasn't, hasn't been, been renovated in 25 years. Right. So I did not ask for that. And I, and if they had said, oh, we can just give you Ocean Tower, I mean, Bally's Tower Ocean Room, I probably would have said, no, just give me the Dennis Room. Um, there are some rooms high in the Dennis Tower that have Ocean View, and I might have preferred that, but I mean, how, I haven't seen those like, rooms. By so. high, you mean like the fourth floor? I mean, the Dennis Tower is not very tall, right? The central tower, I think, is 11 floors. So uh, there's a middle tower in between the two shorter towers so that... So some of those rooms do have Ocean View. Okay. Uh, So let's talk food. Okay. Uh, So the first place we went was Wingcraft, which is someplace I've actually wanted to try for a while. Uh, When I tweeted about it, what everyone said to me was, where the heck is that? And it is actually in the walk outlets over by the Sheraton. So it's all the way at the end of the outlets. Um, We went – it was pretty late for lunch. I think it was about – 
2 o'clock, and uh, it was really crowded on a Saturday. I, I, I'm guessing it's because of the holiday shopping crowd, but uh, good to see that a non-casino restaurant is, is drawing quite a crowd. Uh, we both liked our food quite a bit. I got We started with the hot and honey wings, which, was bas- which were basically uh, typical buffalo wings with a little bit of a honey taste. I have to say they were way better than the honey molasses wings at the Gordon Ramsay Pub and Grill. <laughs> that I we mean, had. that's not much of a uh, but, accomplishment, though. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that is definitely not saying much. But they were, I thought they were very good wings. And I actually sort of found myself wishing uh, that I had ordered a second order of wings and, like, me and my wife would have split an entree, basically. But uh, the entree, she just got a salad. I got the Manhattan Project, which is a burger with barbecue sauce and... Uh, like fried onions and some other stuff on it. The burger I thought was really, really good. Um, Oh, and it comes with like homemade chips that were also really good. The one thing I'll say about the burger is if you're like a burger snob where you just want like a really good patty of meat or whatever, this probably is not that type of thing. Like it's definitely more about the toppings than the burger itself, but I did think it was a a pretty tasty burger. Uh, And I would absolutely go again. And the beer list was incredible. Like they had a huge beer list. We did a beer flight. Um, I think the beer flight is kind of the best deal because you can pick any four beers for the flight, including things like, you know, worldwide stout and, and stuff that's really expensive if you just buy a 12 ounce of it. And it's always the same price for the flight. So you can sample, uh, some pretty good, pretty expensive beers. I mean, obviously a flight you're sort of overpaying because you're getting small samples, but, uh, I thought it was a cool way to try some of their pretty huge beer selection and, I wish it was a little closer to the boardwalk, but I would absolutely go again. Um, and I think it's the type of place that, like, my brother, like, you guys, uh, you know, our group of friends would really enjoy for, like, a lunch sometime to get cool. out of the casino floor. So, Especially if we were at the AC Beer Fest, which is right there. Yeah, that place just must make a killing after AC Beer Fest. It's a yes. bunch of drunk people coming in. Getting, I was super drunk after AC Beer Fest. Getting even drunker on beer. Uh, so then for dinner, we went to Izakaya in Borgata, uh, which is a Japanese – well, they say it's a Japanese pub, a modern Japanese pub. I would not say it was very pub-y. It was, it's very dark. I think the vibe in there – I could see where people would be sort of put off by it. It's like very dark and one of the walls – like it, it, really high ceilings and one of the walls was just like stark, stark black – with sort of one cut out with a with some art like a mural in it um if if dark is not your style then you might not like it the other thing that people might not like is that it's kind of uh it's a little bit unty in its music selection uh but i thought that worked really well with the vibe um and then oh and we were originally going to be sat over by the casino floor where you are looking at slot machines and i said going in like if that happens i'm i'm asking to be sat inside not off the casino floor because of uh the gordon ramsay situation where we got sat basically in the hallway across from emperor's essentials uh so they did oblige and and move us in deeper into the place and it was a much better situation i think uh the service was great um and the food, I thought, uh, I was just completely blown away. Uh, so it's you can do entrees, but the entree menu is fairly small. So we decided to do five different small plates and just kind of try a bunch of different stuff. 
so there's a lot to try. I mean, there's a, everything sort of very interesting. I mean, there is some more basic stuff. Like we did do beef fried rice, which, you know, wasn't really anything to write home about, um, kind of fairly standard stuff, but, uh, we got these short rib skewers that were just really, really good, uh, just like a really good meat, really well uh, well cooked and well marinated with some kimchi on top. Uh, we did a spicy scallop cut sushi roll for sort of like an appetizer almost that was also really good. Like it had uh, scallops on top of the roll in some sort of like cream sauce that was really good. We did duck scrapple buns at the waiter's recommendation, which we were kind of skeptical of, but they come out in sort of the typical, like, Asian very soft bun, um, and it's, like, this little scrapple patty, but it's duck. And he said, like, don't – it's not, like, crappy meat. You know, everybody thinks of scrapple as, like, you know, intestines and hooves and stuff, but, (laughs) you know, it's, like, good duck meat. It's just made in that style. And they were really good. They were very interesting. The thing that sort of really I was the most shocked by was the mahi mahi tacos because, you know, it's a it's an Asian place, so these are fish fried fish tacos with a jalapeno on them, but then they also have some Asian seasoning and I think maybe kimchi, and you bite into it and it's just like this sort of sequence of flavors that was very interesting. And I'm not a food snob, so for me to talk about things in this in this sort of language is 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 rare so that should tell you something about what i thought of it but paul is really proud of you somewhere though yes probably so i mean you just you bite into it and it's like the first taste is like oh this is really familiar it tastes like like a fish taco like you'd get at you know any taco place like a like a good taco place and then you sort of get a little bit of the spice from the jalapeno and then all of a sudden the asian flavors hit you and you're like oh whoa that's really out there and so the first bite i had i was like i'm not sure what i think about this like i do i like this it's really kind of out there um which is funny because you know it's sort of a standard thing like you read it on the menu and it seems like it's a very standard dish but uh then i just sort of like scarfed the rest of the thing down and i was both my wife and i were saying you know they were really amazing and and just everything we got was was really good and more than anything you know, just looking at the small plates menu, there were a dozen more things that we would have loved to try if we, you know, had space in our stomachs. So I could definitely see myself going back. Uh, I know Mr. AC Casino, uh, Daryl McEwen, said that he thinks that that's sort of the the hidden gem at the Borgata as much as anything can be a hidden gem at Borgata. Because you don't really hear it talked about too much, but I highly, highly recommend it um, to anyone who's interested in that style of sort of Asian small plates. So, so just so we have some frame of reference, how would you compare it to continental, which is not Asian, but it is still small plates. And it's something that I think you were also very impressed with when we went. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of, it's a little bit more adventurous certainly than, than continental. Like the stuff that I really liked at continental, I mean, I'm very much like, I like sort of standard flavors, I guess. So the things I really like at continental are like, you know, things that are American style with just like a little kick to them, whereas this is more like a big kick, if that makes sense. It's like a it's a much more sort of powerful uh, set of flavors in but, at least but, in the stuff we got. Is that I mean, the thing that I think we both like the most, if I remember correctly, when we were there was their uh, they had like wasabi mashed potatoes, right? 
That's kind of out there, right? Yeah, but the wasabi was very, very subtle in those mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. I did not get, like, a ton of wasabi flavor. And my wife hates, hates, hates wasabi, and we got the wasabi mashed potatoes, and she ate them totally fine. <laughs> On that promise from me. Like, no, it's fine. It's not super. I mean, they were really good. And you could, have, I mean, you could taste it, but it, it wasn't, like, mm-hmm. overpowering. So this was more out there. Yeah, I definitely say it was it was more out there. I mean, just things like duck scrapple buns. Um, the one thing I'll say about Continental is I went twice in fairly short succession, and I found myself just sort of wanting most most of the same things or several of the same things that I re- had ordered a previous time. And I don't know if that's like a testament to the fact that the stuff that we got when you and I went was so good that I wanted to get it again, or if it's a sign that like yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff on the menu that I'm not so excited about. Um, I mean, there are definitely like there's pork stuff that I I can't eat, so that kind of puts a damper on it. But uh, definitely like the izakaya menu, I was just looking at, I was like, oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try all this. So um, I I do want to go again, and I thought that was pretty cool because it's. I feel like like I said, I have sort of bland, if you will, tastes in food. My wife kind of makes fun of me for it. Uh, So so I do tend to go someplace and see like you know, a burger and a steak and a chicken dish on the menu. And it's like, well, those are the three things that I'm, I'm fine with. And, you know, all this other stuff I can, I am not adventurous enough to try it, but this, I thought there's a bunch of stuff I was interested in. How to compare price wise, probably like a little more expensive. That would be my guess. Anyway, I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, continental, I, both times I've went, I've just been amazed at how cheap it was. This even, Mm. you know, we got five small plates, like I said, um, and we did a bottle of sparkling wine and I think it was still only a hundred something dollars after tax and tip, like in the low hundreds, I think between a hundred and 110 or maybe around 110 mm-hmm. after tax and tip. So it was not expensive. Yeah, yeah. It was not expensive. Um, totally reasonable. And, and, and the atmosphere makes it feel really nice. Um, as long as you're not just totally put off by the, the slightly techno-y sort of dancey music. But, um, I mean, I think that's becoming a little more common. I know a lot of people are like, really, like, oh, if I'm going to a good meal, that's not what I want to hear. But it's not like, you know, there's a DJ in there, you know, cranking out tunes like Martiranos after 8.30 p.m. or whenever they get, <laughs> they basically <laughs> turn into a club. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know I've already said this four times, but definitely recommend Izakaya to anyone who's looking for something at Borgata. Cool. I will check it out next time I'm there. Sounds up my alley. The other thing, yeah, the other thing I kept thinking was like, well, I wonder how this would compare to Budokan, right? Because Budokan's I know, we haven't Asian. done it yet. I, we have to do it. Well, at least I'm going to do it next time I'm in Atlantic City. I almost feel like I want to do, like, Izakaya for lunch and Budokan for dinner, which I've said I don't love Asian, but I would be yeah, interested you, to try the right. sort of, like, back-to-back. <laughs> we <laughs> like we haven't comparison. done Budokan specifically because of you. Oh yeah, the last couple times I feel like we've gone to Atlantic City because you don't like Asian food. Such so. such a hater. Um, <laughs> yeah, always. Let's be clear here: the reason that we haven't been to Budokan isn't because of me. <laughs> right? No, no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. And but I did have plans to go to Budokan, and we ended up at, at Continental uh, with my wife last trip. But that's we don't need to talk about that. So the last place that we <laughs> ate was uh casa taco and te- taco and tequila bar at tropicana we went there for breakfast on sunday in in typical craig fashion i did not feel good on sunday morning um and not because of drinking because i didn't drink that much but i just actually but even before dinner i started feeling like my stomach wasn't in great shape um 
So this I I haven't told you this, Cla- but classic I, Craig. I know. I, you're not surprised at all, are you? Like no. Just, um, this this I would actually be surprised if you're like I felt great the whole time. Right. Like when is the last time I've traveled anywhere and have not felt like some sort of stomach issue, like horrible, like starting about eighteen hours before you're supposed to leave. Yeah, I think I just have like a a stress about being in transition. Um, but you all don't need to play my psychiatrist on this. <laughs> uh, so we went to Casa. My stomach wasn't feeling great, but I I got a a waffle with I think it was strawberries and bananas and whipped cream. Um, it was pretty good. I would say it was better than Toplitsky's, but not like amazing or anything. The portions were insanely huge. Uh, my wife got um, huevos rancheros, which were good for the two bites I had, but like. I took a bite and I was like, that's really good. And then like 30 seconds later, my stomach was like, that is not good. Like no more of that. (laughs) So I stuck to my waffle. Um, But I I thought it was pretty good. And the portions are huge. And the service was incredibly fast. I I tweeted out that like we got there, they put us at a table and we hadn't even like taken our jackets and sat down. And the waiter ran over and was like, do you want coffee? And of course we did because, you know are big coffee drinkers and so we didn't even have our jackets off yet and there were full cups of coffee sitting there waiting for us um and the coffee is really good lavazza good good coffee uh so if you are thinking like oh casa that's a taco place i'm not going to go there for breakfast uh no reason to have hesitations it is it's a good breakfast good big breakfast especially if you were out drinking the night before certainly quite a few people there who looked like they had been out at one of Tropicana's many clubs uh, the night before and we're trying to, you know, soak up some of the previous night's libations. Uh, all, so, all I have to say to you is I'm positive that somewhere Steve is sitting there smiling and he doesn't know why quite yet, but oh, so, he told us we had to go here, right? Right. So I do, I do have to thank Steve and I emailed him uh, just letting him know that I went. So he did suggest that, uh, before my last trip with my wife, he said, oh, you should go to Casa because I was thinking of Toplitsky's. And he was like, no, go to Casa because we were staying at Tropicana. And we ended up going to Toplitsky's instead. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's feeling a nice sense of I told you so, rightfully. Uh, right. So Casa, definitely I would not go out of your way to go to Toplitsky's if you're in Tropicana. Just go to Casa. Good classic breakfast dishes. Much better service. <laughs> better coffee. Uh so that was that's it for food. Any any questions about the food portion of the discussion? No, the show must go on. Yeah. So speaking of the show, the the other thing we did was we went to the Human Nature Show, as I mentioned at the top of this segment. Uh, so they have recently revamped their show. It used to be totally Motown. Now it's sort of this mix of a few of those Motown songs. Some like what they call jukebox, which is fifties and sixties. Uh, I'm trying to think like run around Sue kind of that era, um, Frankie Valley era, but they didn't sing any Frankie Valley stuff. There was some holiday music mixed in just because it was the time, um, that we went, you know, it was early December. So not surprising that they mixed in holiday music. And then they also threw in a little bit of recent pop music, uh, like a couple songs. I don't think anything that's currently on the radio, but stuff that's within the last couple years. And um, if you don't know about Human Nature, they were actually a boy band in Australia. Uh, that's sort of how they got popular, at least you know in Australia. They've never really got popular in the United States, but they did play on that a little bit, and it was pretty funny the way they did that. Uh, 
I I said this on Twitter and I'll repeat it, but like if you see this show, you just can't leave with anything but sort of this like happy feeling about human nature. Like I I don't understand how you would go to this show and not like the show. A, a, any age group, whatever musical interest you have, like it's just the selection's so good. It's so fast paced. They they show a lot of their personality. I mean, I know it's all sort of scripted, but. Uh, they do a really good job of sort of making themselves very likable. Um, so it's just, and it's, it's just a really fast paced show. Like they jump from song to song to song. I think their renditions of a lot of songs are, are really good. Uh, they do a few acapella versions of songs that I especially like. Um, I told my wife their version of have yourself a merry little Christmas is actually my favorite Christmas song of all time, like specifically their version. And they did sing that. So I was happy about that. Uh, so it was just a great show, and it was a little longer than their old show. So if you've gone to one of their shows um, at Phoenician when it was just a Motown show, I think the runtime on that was like an hour and 10 or an hour and 20 minutes. This was closer to an hour 40. So it's, it's actually kind of long for a, a casino show, um, you know, because usually they want to get you back to the tables. But uh, I liked it, I, and it, just everything they did I thought knocked it out of the park. Uh, we were actually in the very last row of the music box the, of the music box theater at Borgata. Uh, but the seats were still totally fine. It's not that big a theater. Um, and we were like dead center, which was good. So really no bad seat in the house, I think, um, at music box. So don't hesitate. I know there have been times when I've, I've seen shows on sale and, you know, the cheapest ticket for some group is like 65 bucks or 45 bucks. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to pay 45 bucks for the last row. Um, but if that comes up in the future, I'm, I wouldn't hesitate about that. Cause those are still, totally fine seats. Um, so are you, are you rushing out? Are you clicking on Amazon right now to buy the human nature Christmas album? Because that's what you should be doing. No, but I, I will. I mean, I have seen a show at, at music box. The, the last uh, trip I was talking about that me and my wife went to, we saw burlesque at, at Borgata, which is kind of, I mean, I think it's seasonal. I don't think it's year round, but, but whenever it's in season on it's on Thursday nights there. And it's something that, that we enjoy. And I, I think music box in general, like Craig said, there, there's not really a bad seat in that, in that place. So it's a cool place to see a show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, so, uh, some random little notes. We actually tried to play Shack Jack at Tropicana. We went up after we ate breakfast and, it was around 12.30 p.m., and they were still setting up. Like, the dealer was there shuffling, and he kind of, like, waved us off. And it was, like, said something about, like, I still have to shuffle, which, you know, normally in blackjack, it's like, yeah, I know. I'll just wait, <laughs> right? But he sort of said – he acted like it was more set up than that. Like, he didn't just say we have to shuffle. He had to said something about, like, the cameras or something. So nobody else was there. So we just left. So no Shack Jack this time. Um, I did not gamble one cent at Borgata, uh, so <laughs> that probably won't surprise anybody. But, you know, we went for dinner and, and, and a show and, and didn't end up sitting in any tables. I don't – I mean, my card didn't get swiped anywhere, so it does say my last trip was still November uh, on Good. the thing. But I did book my reservation and everything through – my Borgata Awards, so I don't know. That's that's probably fine. Yeah, I'm assuming they don't care too much about that. But uh, the one thing I did do is I taught my wife Pygo poker at Bally's. So we went – I think we started at like 2.30 in the morning <laughs> on uh, – I guess that would have been Sunday morning at that point, like after the show, after 
Uh, I think even after we went and got dessert at the whatever it's called, Cafe Roma at Caesars, which... <laughs> you had to get gelato? You just could not contain yourself? No, we did not get gelato. We got some sort of, like, cinnamony waffle thing. That's... Oh, is it because you had to share? Because I'm like, I can't imagine you being there and not getting gelato. Oh, so it was not... So Cafe Roma is the one that's upstairs. Oh. Yeah, not Tasa. No, mm-hmm. not, not the lobby place. Uh, so it's this, like, their coffee shop. So the coffee shop was, like, 80% empty, but we still had to wait for, like, 15 minutes. Because there mm. were maybe three waiters on staff. Yep. Uh, so, and then the waiter seemed annoyed that we just ordered something and shared. <laughs> uh, so, not the greatest experience at the Cafe Roma, but I guess I'm not sure what I would have expected at two in the morning um, or whatever it was at that point, one in the morning. So then we went back down to Bally's. Uh, my wife wanted to learn Pygo Poker. I don't know why I would have expected the table limits to be really high, except that it was sort of like Saturday night, but it was really late at that point. And there was a lot of open $10 blackjack. And when we went to the Pai Gao tables, there was $15 Pai Gao poker. So that is something that I feel like I almost never see. So we sat down. Um, I bought in for a couple hundred bucks and gave them my card. And I, so I'm not sure how they rate that because I just sort of gave my wife half my stack. So I'm not sure. I'm sure Eric would know if I'm... Well, it depends on what, how the pit boss did it. I mean, if you asked, they definitely would rate both right. seats on for you. If you didn't, they probably still did. But it's possible that if he just wasn't paying attention or something, only you were getting rated. Yeah. I, so I have a feeling that they rated both just by how many tier credits I got at the end of... They, they should the have. Yeah. So um, we played for a little over an hour, won 60 bucks. I think I won like whatever 80 bucks and my wife lost 20 or something like that uh but it was a good time it was fun to play pai gao my wife had a good time it's you know not a terribly intimidating game to learn so it was good because you know you can always like flip flip your cards over and ask the dealer um i made the mistake of like i was pointing out for her what to do and a couple times i touched her cards and they were like no no touching the cards but uh you know, lesson for next time, whatever, you know, no security person came down and, you know, kicked my ass or anything. So I'll consider that a win. Uh, but it was a good time. And we left for the trip, I think, up $10. So I don't know how Bally's is going to recoup that loss. Uh, but and and the other big thing I have to say is I didn't earn a ton of tier credits. I think I earned like, you know, 65 tier credits in the trip for a one night trip, which is not particularly good. I've seen no change in my total rewards rates, so I at least did not crush my offers, which is good. I feel like typically on these trips, I just like ruin my my future offers, especially having booked a discounted room. But maybe they feel like, eh, the sucker still paid eighty four dollars plus tax and resort fee. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think they just <laughs> for a better play. Show. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Good so trip. What, are, what, good what are your offers like right now? Uh, pretty much. All weeknights free at all three hotels, and then yeah. a bunch of Fridays free and no Saturdays. Hmm. Looks like at, at Harris, at least, I everything is free for me, except for right around New Year's and MLK weekend. But everything else is comp. Nice. Yeah, so I get, like, Christmas Eve everywhere, but shockingly, I'm not going to stay there Christmas Eve. So any any last questions about the trip now that it's in the books? How was it? It was good. Successful? I w- yeah, it was successful. I wish on my, you know, very rare night where 
we were toddler free that I did not feel sick, but I powered through it and made the most of it. And still, we still stayed up until four in the morning. So I think that's, that's successful. Um, I paid the price the next morning, but it was a good trip and I'm still eager to go again. So I feel like I've definitely left the last two Atlantic city trips, like, you know, raring to go back and, I'm sad that I don't have anything on the calendar booked right now. Yeah. Makes me upset. So we should figure yeah, we'll that have, out. We'll have to go back in a couple months. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out. Are you, do you, yeah, we went We went last year in February, right? Yes. Have and to I, work something out. And I know you You had talked about going with your wife, right? Is it no movement on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, child care is the hardest thing to yeah. line up, so... All right, if that's it, are we ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think that's about it. Um, so uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. If you want to participate, join the Facebook group, which always has good conversation and always gets shout-outs uh, every episode. Uh, it's facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. I remember you did say something that had come up in the Facebook group earlier in the episode, but I don't remember it now. So that's very interesting for everyone, I'm sure. Uh, you can find all of our great content at doforawin.com. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, you can reach out to Craig uh, on Twitter at doforawin or send him questions via email to doforawin at gmail.com. Any last words before we sign off, Craig? Uh, just that I've been insanely slow in responding to the email lately just because work has been kind of a mess with end of semester stuff, but... Uh, I'll try to get better at that. So if you, if you have emailed or I think we're all caught up, but if you email and you don't hear from me for like five or six days, it's just, uh, you know, I'm not ignoring you. You will get a response. I do respond to every email. It just may take a few days. So someone has to do all the work around here and it's not, it's certainly not me. So whatever slow service that you're giving them is better than the non-existent service that I am. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so we might try to have one more episode before the end of the year, but we need to kind of work some stuff out, and we'll see what we can do. But hopefully we'll try to record uh, the week after Christmas, perhaps, and, and get something out closer to New Year's. But we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks, and, and we hope to have one more episode in 2016. So have a happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays. Our first episode of 2017, maybe we should uh, steal from Vegas Tripping and just kind of do like a best of episode. I think that could be interesting. I think people would really like that. Yeah. I mean, are are we qualified to say best of? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know what the prerequisites are.